Hey guys, it's Alana. I'm sure you know me. This is Stephanie. She's a friend, I guess, friend, right? That I made um, months ago. I feel like we've been chatting just on and off um, through Facebook and connecting just because we both have a business. Moms. Um, so we wanted to get together and bring you guys a little chat about play and emotional intelligence. I'm going to hand it over to Steph so she can talk a little bit about her background and um, what she does with emotional intelligence, what is emotional intelligence, because I don't know if people even know what that means. And I think that that's obviously a first step. So go ahead, Mama. All right. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me. I'm very, um, very grateful to be on and to finally be seeing your face and chatting with you live because we have been <laughs> chatting on and off for a little while. And, you know, being half a world away, it's kind of tricky to actually get to know someone properly sometimes so this is really nice <laughs> um so yes i am stephanie pinto and i'm an emotional intelligence coach and i'll go into what that kind of actually means what even is eq um but i specialize really in working with parents um and i love i like to say that i help parents to create an emotionally intelligent family culture so that is really just one where you know, it's that culture within you. Everyone has a as has like a culture in their family, right? It's it's the the outgoing family who they all do BMXing and skateboarding or something, or it's the family who loves to do, you know, art and craft or whatever it is. Everyone kind of has their own little culture in their family, I think anyway. And I I love the idea and the concept of having a family who are are close knit and cohesive and they're a little team and um they they're open and they communicate and they talk about what's going on and they help each other and obviously they they're okay with emotions and emotional expression and um helping support each other through times when you know stuff hits the fan kind of thing so to speak so or like as it comes yes I, I feel like at any age like if you have baby toddler young kids older kids teens like don't we all have Things that just, you know, it's, it's a roller coaster. Every day things will happen, exciting things, amazing things, tough things, um, you know, hard times and adversities. And it's just going to happen no matter what age you are or, or where you live. So yeah. I think what, what give our kids the skills to um, be able to manage themselves and manage their relationships and, and kind of impact them positively. Does that make sense? such a good point too because it's like if you can't manage your own emotions and how are you going to manage your kids you know um, yes. coming yes. off of like a big meltdown that I had this morning with my smart this up this afternoon I can't even think um this evening he like got a splinter in his finger and he was just like screaming and like making this huge scene and I'm like I don't understand this is not a big deal like why are we you know and then I was like okay but it's a deal to him and take a breath and I was like I'm gonna punch something like just let me get the freaking splinter out it's not like it's, it's literally and he's like you're gonna poke me you're choking me. you know and he was like and I was like oh my god what is happening like this is not a big deal but and of course I let obviously my emotions get the best of me at some points yeah. but it, and it's hard because you're just like I don't understand so you know but and they don't understand so it's just like like a cyclone it's like oh, can't get out of it like it's so bloody hard it's even a universal like, thing I feel like everybody everywhere every parent like there's not a single parent that doesn't experience that where you're just yeah. like 
like you can feel it just coming up and you're like, don't say that or don't do that. And then you're like doing it and you're like, no, I, I, I'm not supposed to be, you know? And it's like, I, I have, I, I work very hard to be a sort of more gentle, peaceful parenting style, but obviously, you know, no one's perfect. So. Oh my God. And if people say that they are or that their kids are calm and fine all the time, they're lying. (laughs) Or they have like one like infant and they're like, Oh, and I'm like, <laughs> just yeah, wait. Like, I hate to be that person. That's like, just you yeah. wait. But it's like, yeah. like a baby is easy. Like once you have toddlers and I can only imagine it gets harder, like different, you know, harder yeah. when they're older. Obviously I teach teenagers. So I kind of have a little bit of experience with that age group, but obviously not having my own teenagers. So I, mean, I can only imagine I'm not ready. I'm, I'm like, what is it going to be like when my kids are teenagers? Cause mine are young as well. They're three and almost six. And I'm, Yes, every age has its like downs, but yeah. I feel like, oh my gosh, the tweens and the teens, like I we remember what we were like and I was horrible to my mum for this period of like one to two years. I have no idea oh, why, but I couldn't stand her. I, I used to be like, Whatever and she'd be like, You know that whatever means you and like that's <laughs> what I was like basically trying to say. My my three and a half year old will like slam the door and I'm like I found myself on I think it was Mother's Day. I she slammed the door or something, and I I opened the door and I was like, "Don't you slam that door!" And then I was like, "I am my mom. I'm literally <laughs> my mom. I just became my mom on Mother's Day. Like this is really crazy." It was like just coming out, and I was like, "No, don't say that." And then like I was like, "Don't you slam that door, young lady?" You know, like I was like, "Oh God, that's not what I wanted to do." It's happening. Yeah, it's seriously. Yes. Uh, well, that's awesome. I feel like that's such a good skill for kids. And I can tell you as a teacher, there's a lot of kids. And so I, so I'll just backtrack for a second. The reason why I wanted to bring Stephanie on here guys is because, um, as a teacher, I see, you know, I do teach older kids, so I'm not teaching, you know, little ones, but I see, um, older kids inability to manage their disappointment, to manage stress, to, um, just self-regulate, like if they're in a classroom and something's not going their way or they're, you know, working through a hard, um, you know, complex text or something. I teach English, so, you know, we're reading something or I'm asking them to do something that's uncomfortable, have it like, whether it's, you know, speak up and have a, do a presentation or something. And they, the vast majority of kids, and I'm not exaggerating, in the U.S., and I don't know about Australia because I feel like y'all have it a little bit better over there at this point right now, um, is kids just literally shutting. Like, they just can't handle it. They can't handle criticism. They can't handle feedback. They can't handle failure. They can't handle um, just anything. Even within their friend groups, they don't know how to manage any kind of emotion. And I feel like that really... um, you know, connects to obviously how, what's going on in the home when they're younger and how parents are explicitly teaching. And I feel like maybe, you know, this past generation, like I know my parents didn't explicitly teach me about emotions, you know? So I think this is kind of like a new, it's not a new idea, but it's a new thing that people are like, oh, wow, this is super important. Um, So I'm hoping that like the kids that are coming up, you know, through this age group now are going to have a better handle on that because it is not a pretty sight when you're seeing, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds who like just can't handle life. And you're like, you're going to go out into the world and 
you don't like, you're really going to struggle. And it's just, I think that this is such an important topic. So. Yeah, I, I love that. And I'm like, it's quite scary to think you're right. Of all these, the kids of that age group and the, the statistics around anxiety and depression and things like that. I think what, what's, what are we doing wrong? Like what's happened? Um, are we just capturing more of it now um, in terms of statistics and stuff or was it happening when I, when we were at school? Um, I don't know, but I think, I suppose regardless of the reasons you know what, what it looks like and why it's happening that you kind of go back to that um root that foundation of well regardless let's teach our kids now some skills so that they can start to manage this stuff um yeah. or even if they can't manage it on their own like i talk about co-regulating to self-regulate you can't expect like young kids or, or your older yeah, especially kids that young and even like teenagers. Well, I was just gonna say, even teenagers, because I, you know, I deal with a, um, a lot of my population and my, my school system comes from a very disadvantaged background and they often experience a lot of trauma. And so, you know, they don't necessarily have the skills because they don't have, they weren't growing up in an environment where anybody was capable of teaching them know those kinds of skills and so they need that too like I have girls who literally just I have to hug them and hold them while they like break down in class because they are so stressed about whatever it is and it's like it is it's really it's crazy because you know you think about like younger kids not being able to and that's kind of a given but then you know if kids don't have this growing up and they're not going to have it you know even as an adult they're not going to be able to regulate Absolutely. And I wanted to say, when you said before, um, it stuck in my mind, you said, when I was young, like in my family, we weren't explicitly taught about emotions and and stuff like that. And I, I remember thinking, me too, me too. Yeah. I think I'm like, me too, like this. <laughs> and um, I, like, I had a great childhood. My parents stayed together. I had an older brother and sister. We went through school and we were all um, pretty good at school. We didn't have any massive um, yeah drama or drama yeah or anything like that. We had decent like good friend groups. Um, we were lucky enough to be able to all of us go to university, and you know we didn't miss out on. Like, I guess you could say we had a really really like perfect childhood yeah. kind of thing. But what's funny is like when you said I you know I didn't get taught that stuff. Neither did I. But if I did, my Emotionally, I would have been a lot more um, confident and resilient because I was not. And I know, right? And like, I don't know why. I, I guess you know. Sometimes I have that feeling of, oh, my kids are okay. They they seem happy and they're pretty confident. Like my son will. I posted a picture the other day of him climbing to the top of this ridiculously tall tree, and I'm like, he's cool. Like he's got it good. But then the point is that like, I I seemed like I had it together and I was good and I was a good girl and I was polite and yada yada yada. But inside, I was so anxious. I was so shy that, like, long story short, when I got really overwhelmed and nervous, I would faint. And I fainted at school, at assemblies. I fainted even in a job interview during uni. Um, like, I used to be a speech pathologist. And in my job interview in the first couple of um, years out, I would faint. And because my body was so overwhelmed with this nervousness and anxiety and that emotion, and I had no coping strategies, I snowballed that shit in my mind excuse my friends, and I would faint. My body took me out because I was so 
I was like, oh my God, I have to get up. Oh my God, she's asking me questions about this job. What if I answer it wrong? She's going to think I'm stupid. And I would just snowball and I would faint on the floor. And I had, it's because I had no, I didn't know about emotional intelligence, which is just that. It's, it's really that ability to be aware of your emotions and manage them in the moment and manage your relationships with other people. So there's the half to do with yourself, self-awareness and self-management. And the other half is to do with um, being aware of other people like empathy and, um, and managing your relationships. So yourself and other people. And that's just how, like that's that kind of ability to um, manage yourself well. <laughs> and, and I didn't have that stuff. And like now I'm looking back, I'm, I'm very slowly writing a book about my, my kind of journey and my work in speech pathology. And now my work as an EQ coach and, Good Lord, like looking back, I only just realized in the last year or two that I should have been diagnosed with anxiety and I never was. And that probably would have helped me because then I could have got some like, strategies and some support. But I just grew up thinking, there's something wrong with me. I'm broken. And yeah, I, I mean, like confrontation and conflict was like, oh, like, oh, even now it makes me. Ooh. I know, same. And it, it's funny because like as a teacher, we're we talk to the kids a lot about being like ready to enter the world and the workforce and, you know, all these things. And one of the things that I kind of got me into this was thinking about my students and wondering, okay, well, at this point, you're already developed, you know, you're 14, 15, 16 years old. And for the most part, you've lived, you know, a, a vast majority of life in whatever situation you're in. And I'm going to do the best that I can obviously do to try to enhance your abilities in every way, you know, in a, from a holistic perspective, but a lot of what is lacking is stuff that's coming from when these kids are younger and they're not learning how to take risks. They're not learning how to fail. They're not learning. So and that's all goes back to emotional regulation. And I think, um, a lot of companies and I've read some research, you know, and have a lot of, have had a lot of conversations about how, you know, in the future, right? Like starting now, I mean, kids are not able to handle the, you know, workforce. Like people aren't, you know, they're not taking risks. They're not creative. They're not um, problem solvers. They're, you know, they're very, they need someone to tell them what to do with every little thing. And it really all stems back to play. And so it's crazy because it's like, okay, well, how or why? And, and so that's kind of what started me in where I am because I felt like I was trying to change the system, like the teaching system and the you know education system and my students' lives. And I felt like I was like constantly hitting a wall. Um, and I thought like, okay, well, if I can't do it, you know, at the high school level, which I'm still doing, I mean, I'm still a teacher, but I'm saying like, I was like, wow, maybe I could start this business where I'm helping parents teach like I'm helping teach parents how to let their kids play and how, what that looks like and how to, what kinds of toys. And because it seems so simple and silly, but it's like life changing. Like if you, if your kids are able to, like you said, your child like was climbing a tree. Like there's so many people who don't let their kids climb trees, you know, because they yeah. don't want them to fall. And they, and then you're like, well, wait a second. Oh, they're terrified of doing a presentation. Hmm because they've literally never had that like feeling of anxiety and getting over it and knowing that they'll be able to get through it because in their childhood, they've never had that. And so it's, it's like, like, 
wow. and do it anyway. Yeah. And I mean, it, it really does. It's like, I always tell myself it sounds almost ridiculous. Like what I talk about, because I'm like, no, really, this will change your kid's life. Close them in a room and let them do whatever they want to do. Like with open-ended toys and stop engaging with them and stop telling them how to play and stop telling them no, stop telling them, you know, don't climb, don't jump, don't do this, wash your hands every two, you know, that kind of stuff. Like we are suffocating our kids' childhoods and it all goes back to like the reason why is because that's the stuff like play is how kids develop their emotional intelligence, you know? It is because like when when kids play and they're trying something out or they're trying something creative, which play is all creative and imaginative. Imagine a parent saying, don't do that. Stop it. Do it this way, this way. You know, I'll find myself sometimes I have to catch myself saying to my son or my daughter, um, like I'll, I'll say, Oh, just let me do it. I'll, I'll fix the leg quicker. And that's me taking it off them, removing that chance for them to work it out and problem solve and it's me just doing something like mum does it better and quicker. And so yeah. I'll give like, and I have to be like, oops, sorry. Like I can, I have to leave. I have to stop myself. Yeah. And it's also like they, like a lot of the times with my kids, and this is something that I, I read a book called Siblings Without Rivalry, which was like, well, just an amazing read. I don't know if you've read it, but it's, it's really incredible. And I think you would like it. And it, it talks about that, like stepping in to like constantly fix their problems. And it's like, well, how are they going to learn how to negotiate, how to compromise, how to do all these things? And it's like, so my kids will be like, mom. And I'm like, figure it out. Like, you know, unless you're killing each other, like, unless there's someone's bleeding, like, I don't want to hear that. And they'll, and I'll say like, well, if you can't figure it out, then I guess we're done playing. Like you're done playing with whatever it is. And they're like, oh, you know, and then I can hear them talking to each other and, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have whole conversations. I mean, they're four and my son will be five next week and my daughter's three and a half. I mean, so they're young and they will have full on conversations about, you know, well, I wanted to do this and you told me no, and I was mad. And so I threw this and well, then I threw it and like, and I'm like, okay, I'm sitting in the other room and I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and then they figure it out and then all of a sudden they're playing again. And then, you know, I kind of peep in and I'm like, yeah, no one's, no one, no, no one's bleeding. No one's like, they're, they're not, you know, no one suffocated the other person. You know, it's like, everyone's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's like something parents don't think about because you just go about your day, you know, you don't think like, wait, I don't know. You know, and sometimes I think we jump in too soon. Like you said, we all, we want to, uh, you know, I've, there's so many times when I have to stop myself from breaking up the kids or, um, or saying, Hey, I saw you do this. Now I'll give it back or whatever it might be. Like, I feel like if we are constantly solving the problems for them and resolving the conflict for them and telling them, um, like scripting what's happened or what to do, we're removing that um, their chance, their opportunity to do that themselves. So if I see my kids kind of arguing over something, I will I will stand back and I will say, well, let's see how that goes, and let I I just want to see what happens and let them work it out because more often than not, like they will they'll tussle, they'll argue, and it's them learning. Oh, if I if I you know, pull it really hard. She falls over. She lets go. And that's 
oh, he's got hurt from that. Or if yeah. I scream and shout, then that gets me in trouble. Like it's all these um, skills. It's almost like every and time like they that- come and fight, they're, they're learning something and they're putting a little software program into their brain. They're like, oh, this happens and that makes – and then, oh, this is not that done. Like you've got to let them do that because the, the amount of times that parents want to like – um, stop the stop the arguments and and even just say hey you took it off her that's really mean you hurt her now apologize yeah. that's being the play well, for like them. forcing them to apologize it's in, it's yeah. not genuine and they're learning like oh I can just say sorry and not really mean it and then that's how they go off into the world and they're like oh I can hurt someone and just say sorry and then it's fine you know and yeah. it's so funny because I I will like. I had a, a couple weeks ago, I remember my kids were outside. I let my kids play out. We have a very, we live in a very like safe area and we have a big backyard. My kids play outside all the time by themselves. Um, and um, I remember like Charlotte came running in and she was like screaming, you know, Henry hit me or whatever it was. And Henry came in and he, and she was like, I don't want to play anymore. I'm coming inside. And so he was like, well, but I want her to play. And I was like, well, but you hit her. So now she doesn't want to play with you. So that's your natural consequence. Like that's what happens. You hit someone, they are not going to want to play with you. So I said, so you have to figure out how to make it better. If you want her to come outside, what do you think you should do? And he's like, Charlotte, will you come back outside? I promise I won't do that again. And she's like, I didn't like that. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and then they, but you know, and it's like, they figured it out and then they, they, you know, hop and skip, like nothing ever happened and they're back outside playing. But it was like, you could see that his eyes were like, wait a second, you know, I did this and this was the result. And now I didn't like the result. So, you know, and of course that doesn't mean like, he's never going to do that again. I mean, they, I feel like they hit each other like every day. It's just like, oh my God, are you ever going to figure this out? But you know, maybe one day. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like such a natural way for them to learn the way that mm. the world works, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like play is their occupation as oh, kids. That's what they are set to do. That's um, that's where they're doing all their learning. And so many parents, even when I used to be a speech pathologist, I would go and do play-based therapy, obviously, because we were doing early intervention and the kids were like two or three or four or five years old mostly. And um, the parents would be like, oh, you're just playing, like, what are you playing today? And I would have to explain that play is a critical period of learning for these kids and it's teaching them social skills emotional skills um, about behavior about cause and effect conflict conflict resolution problem solving language skills like the amount of language development that you can do during play is just um insane and and like social rules and sequences and routines play is literally everything it's it's literally everything we can say it's everything people it's everything And it's funny because I was talking about how like social, I had somebody was asking me something about um, like social, something, I can't remember what it was, but we were talking about how, you know, you'll, you'll see your kid, like if they have a doctor's appointment coming up or something, all of a sudden they're into playing doctor and they're like taking out their doctor kit and they're giving you a shot and they're watching your reaction and they want to, and it's because the way that kids process the world around them and the way that they understand their world, which is, you know, our world, but obviously seen through their own eyes, they have limited experiences. And so that's literally how they process what's going to happen, what is happening, 
you know, that's why they like to do all the things like fold the laundry, mow the lawn, practice, pretend to cook, help you do vacuuming. Like it's not every, every single kid is like that. Like there's a reason that that's the case. It's not just like, oh, my kid loves to help out with all the household tasks that I want to do. And they're always in my space wanting to participate. No, we are literally like kids are literally built. I keep saying literally, that's, I think my, my word tonight. (laughs) We, they are built to do that. Every Mm -hmm. child from all, like from every culture, from every place under the sun, this is what human children are built to do. So people are like, you know, they, and then they, they want to like extinguish that because they want to do it them. You know, they're like, oh, it's just faster if I clean the table myself, or it's faster if I, you know, don't have to let them, you know, press the laundry button or wash the dishes or match the socks or whatever it is. But, you know, and I totally get that because no one has time for anything these days, but it's definitely those practical life skills too, that you're, you know, that's that language developed. Like you're, you're having that interaction back and forth. They're learning about the process. You're talking about what's happening. Yeah. You know, yeah. So all of that. I think, I think um, especially around emotions and emotional regulation and teaching emotions and things like kids. Yes, we can teach our kids about emotions. And, and I talk about developing your kids' emotional vocabulary and um, teaching them all those skills. But like if we come back to that idea of play and that kids are always copying us and doing adult things like mowing or folding the socks or whatever, you know, we realise that kids actually learn the best just by watching us and we have to be good models for them. So if you're not, if, if they don't have a good modelling system or um, or carers or whatever it is, if there's no um, model there for them to copy, they're not going to learn that skill. So I um, I heard this story a while ago about a, um, it was like a two-legged dog that had a, I think it's an anecdote really, a two-legged dog that got hit by a car and her back legs didn't work and she was pregnant at the time. And um, she had her puppies and when her puppies were born, they were obviously totally fine um, physically, but they had their mum as a model using her front two legs and dragging her back two legs because of the car accident and the, all the puppies started to drag their back legs and, and walk around on that pulling themselves by their front legs. So it goes to show that when you've got a model who's modeling some skill or some behavior or some, you know, there are some parents who really struggle to manage their own emotions and they flip their lid or they squash emotions and we don't talk about them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's what the kids are seeing as a model and the kids are going to do that too. So, so you wonder why some kids don't talk about emotions or they think emotions are fluffy and silly and not worth talking about or when big things happen, they squash it down and move on. Um, you know, that, that's why kids learn that from their models. So it's, you know, it's a bit unco- it was a bit uncomfortable for me to be talking about how you feel. Like I felt silly saying, how are you feeling? Like what are you, what are you feeling at the moment? And, you know, how come that happened? And what do you reckon you could do about it? Like I felt a bit therapist-y and a bit yeah. silly, but that's because my parents didn't um, chat about emotions. They didn't talk about it openly. You know, us, us kids were all pretty good. We were pretty happy. So they probably thought we don't need to or it wasn't on their radar. Not something, but, I feel like it's just not something that was a thing. Like people, yeah. I think parents now are much more um, like active parent. Like 
proactive. Yeah, like proactive, like actively searching for information, actively like in mom's groups and asking questions and digging into research and wanting to like really understand different things, which is like a blessing and a curse because I, I think that it puts a lot of pressure on parents, but it also gives us insight that we didn't have like when you know but I hate that saying like no better do better but it's you know when you know you can do if you don't have any idea like our parents probably had really no vocabulary or understanding of this idea like they obviously couldn't teach it to us you know since they didn't really like they didn't know it wasn't a thing mm-hmm. exactly it's funny like I grew up in an English family my parents are English and they came to Australia about 35 years ago and they were very kind and polite and quiet and people pleasing. So that's what I turned into. And my husband is Portuguese and they are loud and they are emotional and they smash them. And everything. I love you. And I was like, you are my guys. Like, but that's me. <laughs> yeah. So literally like it's that, it's the concept of bringing your, past and your background and all your experiences like I think of it as everything that's happened from when we were zero to now or you know our upbringing our childhood um, how our parents interacted with us experiences we had as a teenager at school in our jobs like all of those experiences are teeny tiny software programs that are put in our computer software which is our head and that's how we act that's where we act from and that's where we uh, it colors our language and it colors our our understanding of emotions and how we manage them and so obviously I was, I hated confrontation. I didn't want to argue with my husband. And he's like, why did you do this? I just, just bring it up. Just tell me if something happens. And, and I was like, yeah, so, I, don't <laughs> I know. And yeah. the good thing is and though, then you're like we, a passive aggressive. I like, <laughs> I try not to do that. Right, babe. Uh, and the good thing is, though, is that we pretty quickly worked out yeah. that we want to, had great parts that we loved from our childhood with our parents and what they did with us. And then we had parts that we were like, I don't want to be like this. I want to get rid of it. I want to, I want to change that or shift it or whatever you want to call it. And especially when we had kids, I was saying, you know, I want, I want you to like help teach our kids to be assertive and confident and um, communicate openly. And like, this is stuff I had to work on when I became an, an emotional intelligence coach. I, you know, you do the training and then you um, you do this uh, assessment that's a uh, social and emotional intelligence profile. It's almost like a DISC profile, but a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge 78-question um, assessment and you get a massive report. And I could see my area, like it's me on a page. It's that I was, oh, I'm, I'm like hardworking, I'm organized, I'm empathetic, and I'm um, all these other things. And then the low ones was like my personal power, which is really just that kind of um, confidence in yourself and um, an ability to speak up and be assertive and, and say your truth. And those were my low ones. And I remember thinking that's totally me. And I had to work on that stuff because I don't want to pass that on to my kids because my kids are going to see, like, I used to be at the coffee shop and if someone cuts in front of me, I would think, oh, that's okay. Like, I'm not in a rush. But, you know, it's nice of me to let them go in front. But no, it's because I hated confrontation and I didn't want to, I couldn't stand up and politely say, oh, sorry, excuse me, there's a line here. Yeah. And so if I'm, if I'm showing that to my kids, which is what my parents showed to me, they're going to grow up. Being, grow up. Yeah. So I said to my husband, can you like these skills? And then he said, <laughs> yeah. well, I, like, I, I was like, 
he said, I'm, I like how you're really, you know, you're organized and you're kind and you have so much empathy and yada, yada, yada. So the good thing is that you can, with some effort and some, um, you know, building those habits, you can, you can, um, and through play as well, like this is the thing with kids, when kids are playing, they're creative and they're open and they're ready to learn and their brain is like on, on you know, lighting up. And that's the time when we can teach our kids these skills just through play and through modeling and stuff. Yeah. And so like having those conversations, like what, what, what are some maybe um, are there, is there an example or something that you could give where like in play, like how you could use play to talk about your kids' emotions or like how would that look for parents who maybe aren't as comfortable? Like, you know, I feel like I could, I can probably say like, oh yeah, I think I do that, but I feel like maybe I don't. So yeah. yeah. But also obviously parents who aren't necessarily as tuned into these specific things, what would be, they could. You know, what's a really good way to begin if you're not that confident in talking about emotions or you think, where do I start? Or I feel a bit awkward or when do I bring this up? Get some books or some resources um, and things that kind of take the pressure and the focus off you and them and that conversation if you're not comfortable and have a book that's something that you can direct your focus onto. And there is so many books out there now, even at our local um, supermarkets and Kmart and Big W and, and Target, all the shops here now, um, you don't have to go to proper bookstores. They, they're flooding them with emotion books and stuff like that. I think they know kind of what's up. So I've got a bunch of books on my bookshelf that are all about, um, yes, they're about emotions and like there are feeling series of books. Like when I'm feeling this, when I'm feeling that, when I'm feeling angry, when I'm feeling sad. Yeah, when I'm feeling yeah I remember those. All I, those ones. And you can just get like, you know, ha- have a bit of time and spend some time looking at just stories that embody, you know, when things go wrong or when um, the characters feel upset or happy and, and what happens and what they do and how they cope with it. So in any story, there's going to be like a narrative where things happen. Yeah. And I would guarantee you pretty much in any kid's book, there'll be um, emotion vocabulary spotted throughout. And it's not about just like reading the book and then saying, okay, well, maybe that did it. Like talk about the characters, you know, once you've finished it or halfway through, why do you think the bunny felt like that? Why would he do that? Or, what do you think his friend should say if he's feeling, you know, if he stole his carrots or whatever? Like you can always just throw in and start little, pepper them in, those questions. It gets your your child's brain kind of um, the cogs turning and thinking, well, what would I do if a kid in my class said that or if I saw a friend being um, teased or something? So it kind of, it kind of just, um, that's a great way to start if you want to take the pressure off thinking, oh, I don't know what to do. Use something that directs the attention away from you and then chat. And then, you know, even now I'm I'm huge on um, that time just before bed when we're all a bit snuggly and we've brushed our teeth and we're getting into bed. We usually read a book or two. Um, but then I spend... Snuggly, my kids are like animals. <laughs> this is after like, animals. Okay, time. I was like, wait, what? No, like, I don't, it's like they get an extra little burst. I don't know where it comes from. They're like sprinting around the house naked, like wrestling. I'm like, it's time for bed. Like, I'm like, I'm done. Like, this is the end yeah. of the day. This is not what I want to be doing. And it's like, we want our time without coffee. I was or like, wait a second. You guys just have a nice little snuggle session. And then your kids just like, drift off to sleep. So there's like bath, crazy time. Okay, okay, okay. And then they 
they lose the energy and I'm like, oh, that sounds a little bit more realistic. <laughs> yes. But that, I find that little tuck in time is kind of where, well, my son is a bit older, so he, he's better than my daughter. She's three. But I talked to him about um, last night, actually, he popped out with a little, he'd been talking to um, me about these little, you know, the characters you get at Macca's or um, like little um, toy figurines that you get at coffee shops or McDonald's or, or okay, yeah. had a few and he'd collected them and um, one of his friends had taken some off had taken some and not given them back and um, I said well maybe tomorrow you can just ask her for them and he said the other night that she said oh she's given them away to her sisters and and she won't give them back and I was like oh okay well what do you think like do you feel all right with that or do you want to go and ask her again to go and get them and you know, we had this beautiful little conversation where he was like, no, look, I think I'll give her um, five chances to be a good friend. And, and I was like, okay. Oh. And, and you're like, five? That's a lot of chances. But okay, Kate. <laughs> I was like, dude. But yeah, we had this beautiful conversation about like, and I was like, oh, cool. And he goes, yeah, I don't really mind. You know, it's more important that I have her as a friend and I'll give her chances. And I was like, wow, these, like, even just a little back and forth. I didn't, I could have chatted to him for an hour and I was like, don't yeah. push it. Like I left it there and I was like, cool, well you decide, you know, your heart your will decision. tell you if you want to give her more chances or if you, if you think I don't want to play with you anymore because you're, you're taking my stuff. Like, yeah. you know, I talked to him about how he's feeling and how he can let his heart or his intuition kind of make decisions. And I always say like, you're really good at making decisions or, you're really creative. You'll figure this out. And that stuff, it's almost like little affirmations for them. That Instead of just like, good job, or yeah, you're great at that. Like, no, be specific about the things that they're doing well. Like I see with my kids, especially with their, because I feel like, especially right now, because we've been stuck at home. So everybody's just like on each other. So I feel like my focus has really been a lot between the two of them and building their relationship up. And so, yeah, it's always like, you know, Charlotte would be like, I want to take a turn at that. And I'm like, well, Henry's so good at sharing. He, you know, that he's going to give you a turn, even though I'm like, turn, you know, because it's like his new thing and he doesn't really want to share, but I'm like, Oh, you know, or I always try to kind of talk them up, but in a very specific way, instead of just like, Oh yeah, you're, you know, you're a good boy or whatever. Like, no, you're good at this or you're, you know, you're working really hard at, um, you know, your pencil grip or whatever. He wants to write so bad and read and all these things. And, you know, he's still little and he his hand strength isn't there to sustain any kind of, you know, he's working on it, things like that. And he'll get frustrated. And I'm like, it's okay to be frustrated, you know, but it's a challenge and you're working on it. And, you know, so it's it's all of that, like those little conversations. I feel like parents don't realize that those are such huge learning yeah. moments for the kids. Yeah, I, I love that how you said, you know, we, we tell them specifically what what they're doing, you know, what's great or what action they're doing or behavior. Like, I love that you're this, that, the other. Um, and also when you said, you know, but letting them know um, that all emotions are okay and it's okay to be frustrated because I know some people are saying, oh, well, we don't want to boost our kids up and, and always say that they're doing great and give them participation awards and then oh, wow. not let them. And, and I'm like, no, 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 that's not like, that's not what we're saying not here. It's saying, about, yeah. praise, praise the poop out of them. But yeah. when things get hard or tough or if they make a mistake, um, you know, acknowledge it and say, hey, that's okay. Like I'll say to my son, like, oh, I saw you 
whatever, um, you made a little mistake there. Oh, well, cool. Let's fix it. Yeah. Don't worry. We can always fix the problem. Everyone makes mistakes, even me, even granny, even Carl. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, pulling, I'm not sweeping those things under the rug and making everything seem peachy because that is not setting our kids up for the real world. No. But it's, it's saying that it's okay. Like, even, you know, upset, um, feeling lonely, feeling frustrated feeling angry or like rage that's yes. okay, okay. It's well, today yeah sorry i just thought of this today charlotte um during lunch she wanted i guess my au pair cut her up a pear and she didn't want a pear she said she didn't want a pear so she got really really angry and i was like and then she, i didn't realize that so i like pushed the plate towards her i was like oh here's a pear and she was like, oh, I said I didn't want a pair. And she like shoved the plate so far that it went across the counter, flew off the counter, fell on the floor and cracked into like a million pieces. And literally the second it did that, you could see her face. She was like, like she knew that wasn't what she intended to happen. And at that moment, like I could have freaked out at her, but I didn't. I was like, listen, I know you didn't understand. You didn't think that that was what was going to happen. You know, mm. you were angry because, or you were frustrated. I don't remember what I said. You know, you didn't want a pair. We need to use our words. The, pr- the plate is broken. You know, they, we can't fix that. Now the plate is gone, but, and that's okay. It's just a plate, but you know, you need to use words. We don't, we don't shove our, you know, we don't throw our plate across the room when yeah. we're, you know, having that's a little bit. And she, but you could tell that like the second the plate cracked, she was like, oh, crap, I didn't mean to do that. And like, she, it was like that moment where you could either build up your child's like relationship with you too. Like, is mom going to be really pissed at me because I made a mistake or did something and I didn't really realize the consequence or is she going to be firm and confident and like in control of the situation without like letting me get away with it, knowing, you know, expressing that that was unacceptable, but I still love you. Like it doesn't, you're not going to get in trouble, you know, because you did something that you really didn't. Yeah. She's three and a half. You know, she wasn't like, Oh, if I push this plate really hard, it's going to fly off the counter and break. You know, she doesn't have that ability to see like that yeah. far in advance of her, her actions, you know? Um, so I think it's, it's definitely, and not mm-hmm. to say that I always handle every situation that calmly and collectively <laughs> at all. Um, I would say 85% <laughs> of the time I'm there. Um, yeah, I, I love that. Like, it, it's you're right because almost like a step removed from that is our um, in those situations where our kids muck up or they make a mistake or something goes wrong and then they have that like that or the meltdown or whatever. We need to be aware of our own emotions. This is kind of like <clears throat> emotional intelligence one on one is be aware of your own emotions first because every every time you're having an emotional um, expression or or if you're in a mood that is coloring and that is impacting your interactions with your kids, it's coloring what you say. Mm-hmm. It's um, coloring how you're acting. It's coloring. It's like impacting your energy. So in that instance, if you had acted like so many of us often do, like I'll put my hand up and say I've even been there. It's we're human, right? And you snap or you flip the lid. You know, if you've had um, a terrible morning, you've got bad news, things are going wrong, you've got an extra project at work, you've had a, you know, you feel a bit under the weather, you're more likely to snap because you're already in that kind of mood of, you know, your your cup is empty, so to speak. And then 
and then you unleash on your kids and you're right that that can damage your relationship with them like i don't want to blow it up and say you're damaging your kids bad how in that moment it will kind of damn it they'll think oh my god i really let her down or i i upset mom and i did wrong or i'm bad yeah or you the other way which is what you did and said hey it's okay you know you didn't expect that to happen we make mistakes let's clean it up but next time and then you went into the setting i think a lot of parents forget this step it's the setting limits and and boundaries section which is it's totally okay to be peed off if you didn't want pear. Like if I said to my husband, I don't want to throw a whatever. If he gives it to me, I'll say, babe, I said I didn't want it. Like it's okay to be annoyed, to be frustrated, to be to feel rage, but we don't hit Dump the hot coffee on our husband. <laughs> yeah. So you have to remember that set that little part of setting limits and it's okay to feel anything, but we can't do this, this, this whatever works for your family. We don't hit, we don't kick, we don't break plates or whatever because we know that actually kids thrive much um, much better when they are in a family that has limits and boundaries because it says to the kids, I care about you enough to give, to kind of have rules that keep you safe. Does that make sense? Like rather than being a... Yeah, I wrote a whole article about um, boundary setting and like thinking about boundaries as like a box. So it's like anything within this box is okay. But once you hit that wall, like outside of that box is not, you know, that's like you're thinking about it because, and one of the things I remember reading when I was reading parenting books, like when I was pregnant with my first child and actually had time to read parenting books, which I I read (laughs) way too many parenting books, um, talking about how like, if you find yourself getting upset with something, then you have let the boundary out too far. So For example, one thing I can think of is like, if you really don't want your kids coming up and bothering you in the shower and it really makes you so pissed off while it's on you because you haven't set that boundary. So they keep coming because they don't understand what that boundary is and, or, you know, it could be different for anybody, you know, whatever your your little thing is that you, you know, for, for me, it's like in the morning, like I'm drinking my tea and we're not, I'm not engaging. I'm not doing, I'm not getting you anything. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm drinking my tea. We're going to, no one's yelling. Like if you yell, you go back up to bed and they know they'll literally sit on the couch and they're quiet. They'll sit with me. They'll snuggle, you know, and I'm like, I'm not reading books. I'm not doing anything. It's like 10 minutes. I just need a few minutes. And you know, it's like, if they are starting to get under my skin, it's because I have allowed my boundary to extend beyond where I'm willing to let it extend. So then like I get emotionally in charged in whatever way, whether it's like sad, hurt, frustrated, you know, angry. And then I'm just like, wait, okay, but I'm allowing my, that boundary to expand. I need to like rein it in. So figure out, okay, well, what's the boundary that I'm willing to accept? And then how do I yeah. get the kids to respect that boundary, you know? Yeah, and you've got to you've got to do that because boundaries for us as parents are a part of our self care. And if we are not, I know people are harping on about self care, but it's it's for a good reason. Yeah. Because if we don't if we don't have those boundaries and if we don't have things that fill our cup and make us um, feel um, content and calm and happy and and things like that, then we are not flexible and not tolerant and we're snappy. And that impacts our kids. So actually self-care is very selfless. Yeah. It is not selfish. And you're right. We need to set boundaries for ourselves because that, like we said right at the start, 
that stuff is our kids are watching us say, actually, for me, I need a cup of tea on the couch because I'm a bit stressed and overwhelmed and then I can come play with you. That's teaching our kids when you're upset or frustrated or whatever, you use your coping strategy so that you can get yourself back to your centre and then you go and do what you need to. It's not, okay, mum always squashes herself, mum always pushes, puts her at the, at the end and then we get, no, we want to teach our kids we're all worthy of our own... Um, you know, putting our own oxygen mask on or whatever they call it, but putting yourself first so that you're able to give to everyone else. So I want to model that to my kids as well. 